You're listening to the OneOfUs.net Podcast Network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. A longer time ago, in a galaxy not so far away. Doom, doom, doom! <laughs> that was good. I like that. Thanks. I was wondering what you... I knew you wouldn't be able to wait for very long before you had something prepared. Because, <laughs> well, you're about. Yes, and somebody on this fucking podcast has to be prepared. <laughs> Hello! Hey, you know what? He's finally calling you out, Chris, and it's about goddamn time. Finally? Is this finally. the first podcast you've been on with Bo? Yeah, no, I, I actually... <laughs> prefer to call Chris out on everything <laughs> This is an intervention, actually. This is not oh, the Dune okay. review. Oh, so what is the inter- intervention that was like, Chris, Dune wasn't as good as you keep saying it is. Is You've that it? You've seen too many things that are called Dune. I have. I have seen all the things that are called Dune, in fact. Many of them multiple times. I, I've actually read the National Lampoon. Dune, uh, D-O-O-N. Yeah, D-O-O-N, yeah, the parody right version. Somewhere. Yes. <laughs> Where they ride giant pretzels through the, the yeah. sugar wastelands. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I liked a bit more than Board of the Rings, but that's just me. I'm still a Board of the Rings guy, but anyway, we're going to get totally, totally off track here. We're reviewing <laughs> Denis Villeneuve's version of Dune, the classic Frank Herbert sci-fi novel, touted by many as the single best sci-fi novel of all time. But, you were just doing it. But I was. And you're many. I am Legion, but we'll get to that on another review. But anyway, shut up! Uh, <laughs> I wasn't talking to you, right? <laughs> it's widely regarded, though, as one of the best, no matter who you talk to. It certainly is a masterpiece. It deeply influenced George Lucas with Star Wars, which I was sitting there getting mad at something that hasn't even happened yet. Going, how long till the 20-somethings on Twitter are like, well, I don't know, it just kind of rips off Star Wars. Yes, there <laughs> there are going to be people that are like, well, this, you know, isn't that different from the first movie. And it's just like, well, yes. <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you, pal. Let's take a look at who's here to talk about Dune. First off, we've got... Right, my Duke. And you're the one here who has not read the book, I've not read the book. I've not seen the David Lynch movie. First exposure. First exposure, but a little Wikipedia. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. And then we've got... Neil, and I've read the book, listened to the audiobook, read most of the books, including most of the prequels, have the board game, have the storybook, watch the sci-fi version, watch both cuts of David Lynch's, so I'm coming in tainted. <laughs> Show I'm off. going at this point, I feel like you've won, but we haven't heard from... Well, I was going to tout my resume, but I guess Neil has the biggest doom <laughs> cock here, so... <laughs> I'm, I'm not like, even going to step up wow, to the table. It's just a mirage. Yeah, no, I, I've read the book and a lot of the series several times. And I've seen the miniseries, the David Lynch, and now this. So we're fans. Yeah. <laughs> so I admit, Are we? Well, 
You weren't. <laughs> I mean, unless you can be a huge fan of a Wikipedia page. Well, fan I, of the I source, read that Wikipedia page at least two times. Fan, fan of the source material, and to be as fair as all the other adaptations that have come out, they are have been lacking a certain something. Well, I think after seeing what Villeneuve did first, I think, with Arrival, which was, I still think, one of the greatest hard sci-fi movies ever made. Sure. I think it's kind of a masterpiece. It moved me to tears, but in an aesthetic way, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, yes, I saw your tears they made a picasso-ish pattern well I, you requested that i save them for you so you can drink them later <laughs> as is our way as is our arrangement uh and then blade runner 2049 whereas it didn't perform well in theaters uh, critics loved it and as well they should have because i remember going this is no way this is gonna be satisfying ultimately because i'm such a big fan of the original but i uh-huh. was kind of in awe going wow you pulled it off when they said he was doing Dune, if it had been literally any other director in the world, I would have been like, oh, God, here we go. Again. And then I was like, oh, Villeneuve, it's going to be pretty good, I think. Yeah. I think the only thing that concerns me going in before this was they haven't secured a sequel. Well, it's it's not very weird considering how movies are made today, but if this had been made in the 90s, they would have already greenlit. Yeah. Five know, we, sequels. We'd matrix it out, and it's just like, yeah, you're making three movies. But I guess The Hobbit ruined that for everybody, <laughs> didn't it, Peter Jackson? <laughs> the speculation has been that there was never any doubt on HBO's part, or Warner Brothers' part, I should say, that they would, because they realize even if this doesn't perform like mad in the theaters, it's going to be one of those properties, if he does it really well, that will be like a solid chapter in their film library yeah. for decades to come of like we'll resell it on those crystals that you put in the superman thing let's say it's a prestige filmmaking everyone yeah. in it is great and it's i heard it's one of the most like seminal stories of, of our time it is indeed paul atreides is the lead character played by timothy chalamet and uh you know what Bo? come on just Timothee Chalamet. Okay, Go, so once Chalamet. upon a time, he's going to interrupt me anyway if I start. Doing <laughs> once the upon plot. a time, there was the Butlerian Jihad. No, they actually don't go into a lot of the backstory. And in fact, one of the reasons I think this works a lot better than stuff that we've seen. Denis Villeneuve really trusts the audience. Your exposition is done very organically. We see the Trades family on Caladan, which is their home planet, or at least their fiefdom, because the galaxy is imperial at this point. Think they're, Game they're, of Thrones. Yeah, they're they're Game of Thrones, Great Houses, House Atreides is based on Caladan, there is a desert planet called Arrakis, basically it's the only place where you can get stuff that they refer to as spice. Not only is it a miracle cure for everything and a geriatric drug that extends your life, but it gives you limited prescience if you're mutated enough to receive it, and it's the only way for people to travel interstellarly because the spacing guild, in lieu of the Navicomp we get in Star Wars, this is how they see into the future to make sure you don't bounce too close to a supernova kid, because that'll end your trip real quick. Dilithium crystals. Yes. (laughs) They can hyperspace, but they just bang into shit without the pot psychics, basically. Exactly. And this, for 80 years, this has been held by House Harkonnen, the blood enemies of House Atreides. The Padisha, as it's pronounced in this, Emperor, says, no, no, I'm giving Arrakis to House Atreides, which is, you know, supposedly a great get, because you have a, a monopoly on spice. If you make enough of it, your coffers will be filled with billions and billions of credits. It is Game of Thrones, so immediately it's like, 
okay, this is a trap, so we need to go in and we need to act like it's a trap and get ready for when it springs. In the meantime, Paul, who is the son of Duke Leto Atreides, the head of the house. Played by Oscar Isaac. He's having these weird dreams about this girl on a desert planet. At some point after everybody signs the stuff that they got assigned to transfer power, a group of space nuns, the Bene Gesserit, <laughs> of whom uh, Paul's mother is a, a member of the Order, show up and perform this test upon him, basically to see if he has any powers of prescience. They've been, for thousands of years, doing the secret breeding program, trying to get a male who is capable of having prescience that spans time and space. But Jessica jumped the gun. She was supposed to have a girl. She did not. And now everything's up in array, and the Emperor and the Baron Harkonnen, played by Alexander Skarsgård... Stellan Skarsgård. Stellan Skarsgård, excuse me. They're preparing to lay this trap. The Atreides go to Arrakis... And basically wait for mayhem to ensue. The thing that's not explored well until the end, but in the book they talk about it more early on, where the Emperor has this ultimate shock troop. The, the Sadakar. Yeah, the Sadakar. Which, which yeah. there's a big secret about them, but that's not revealed till they, much later. Yes. That the Emperor's a big dick is what it comes down they, to. They've, they've, yeah, they, they've been the enforcement of his power of the Corino Emperor yeah. for they, tens of thousands and of years. The, the Emperor is kind of jealous of Atreides because their own troops are trained in a very different way that are the only really plausible possible threat to his super trained right. Well, and also Leto is, he's very admired. All the houses are kind of looking to House Atreides as like this potential new leadership as opposed to House Corona, which is ruled for millennia. And he's very nervous that right. these are the people that could take me out. So I will take care of that threat. And uh, Duke Leto is well aware of this. And one of the things he's going, well, there's a bright side to going to uh, yes. Dune here, other than what he thinks we think the bright side is, which is the spice, which is there's these Bedouin nomadic tribes who live there that appear to be pretty much the best fighters anywhere. And if we could figure out a way who the Harkonnen have just been like oppressing for set, like decades, yeah, the, the, if we could the, figure the, out a way to get those guys on our side, well, maybe this would be like, yeah, they're so they're kind of dismissing them. Idaho. <laughs> yeah, they're they're dismissing them. And Dune was written in 1965, but much the way the Mujahideen would be like dismissed by the Russians when they went into Afghanistan. And as it turns out, it's and Russians are really good fighters, and we were really scared of them. And oh god, <laughs> well, suffice it to say, everything. Goes tits up exactly how Duke Leto thought they would, but not in exactly the specific order of events he thought they would. Not completely prepared. We end up with a film with basically Paul and Jessica, we didn't say Rebecca Ferguson playing Jessica, on their own, trying to survive. And be clear, this is just the first half of the first book. And it's like two hours and 40-some minutes, yeah. Yeah. right? So people were, I think, who don't like slow burn movies were a little bit like, ugh. But you gotta realize, the book is fucking huge. Right? <laughs> and very dense. And, and I gotta say, they do a really good job with the pace in this. The only thing I will say, and, you know, maybe Wright can address this, is that Star Wars is a great big saga with, with multiple movies, but if this suffers from anything, it's like nobody blows up the Death Star at the end of this. You're ending more along, like, Empire Strikes Back, where it's like, oh shit, we're all fucked. This, this has gone extremely poorly. That's what I thought about it is going in with, like, no real knowledge except for your explanation of it which was like kind of a, a verbatim of the wikipedia because i wrote it <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised so i see now more than ever which this this movie just really makes me want to actually well, read the book and then even watch the david lynch and everything else with it because this is really fascinating that all these things that i either grew up watching or now seeing now like even with the uh, game of thrones 
Like, I see where this all comes from. It's extremely fascinating. The politics behind it, the betrayals, all the different characters that are involved with it. It's such a sprawling cast oh, of huge. all these different people. And a ton of big name stars. And, and huge, huge names. And But at the same time, like, everyone in it is dedicated so much to each of the roles that I was so invested in all of it, which going in as a layman, not knowing anything about the book or the story really that much at all. I was actually speaking with my sister right before this, like, look, you're excited about it. It's great. I was too. It might behoove you to actually sort of read the Wikipedia just a slightly a bit because there's so many different like, you know, terms that they use. But what Denis Villeneuve does very well is that the context clues and the storytelling itself, you almost don't need to understand what like the jihad that they pulled like thousands of years ago. Like for the David Lynch movie, when it came out in the theaters, they literally would hand out like a sheet of paper to the I audience. I heard about that. Yeah. It's the glossary just like from a, the back of the book. Yeah. Herbert yeah. printed yeah. it with a 12 page glossary. Oh, I, I had, I had something called the Dune encyclopedia when I was a kid. Yeah. And it, it was literally as thick as like a King James Bible. And it was just <laughs> definitions of terms. Well, the, in, in the book. I like the Lynch version too for what it's worth, although I don't think it succeeds as a film. As a Dune fan, it's a very pleasurable watch. A cliff notes, if you will, visually for the movie with lots of cool design. But they did all the exposition there in a very narrative voiceover sort of way, mm-hmm. and it's just constant through the movie. And here they find ways to organically put it in there, to have the characters be doing things that yeah, make sense. Lynch uses the whisper, inner monologue, to yeah. tell you a lot. Yeah. yeah. This, I love, they did do good tricks of it, slipping it in other languages and subtitling it. So you caught the important stuff, but it wasn't bogged down. Or Paul, like in various scenes, sort of preparing to go to Arrakis and watching things about the planet. He's cribbing for the big test. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that, that, yeah, that, that, that's inspired that, by parts of the book, too, that he yeah. was just soaking up as much as he could. And I mean, that's, you know, that's how Herbert did his exposition in a, in a lot of ways, although, granted, he did that glossary at the back. If you've watched Arrival, you probably have a decent idea how Villeneuve specifically would film a very thoughtful, cerebral science fiction film, and this didn't come as a surprise in that way. There's nothing about the way he shot it that mm-hmm. made me go, this is not what I expected. It was exactly what I expected, yeah, and much. it delivered delivered in exactly the way I hoped it would. At points, it's very quiet. At points, it's very loud. It's always very pretty. Like, I mean, the, it, it gives you a sense of scale all throughout it. And I was worried for a while, because I remember one of the big things is like, oh, the sandworms are so big that they could swallow one of our biggest ships. But you don't see the sandworms for a while, yeah. but you do see the biggest ships, and they're fucking big. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, really? So when you finally get a real full-size look at a sandworm, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. That's what really lets you know how big they actually are. I mean, beyond fandom, I think this is going to be a visually arresting movie for people in general. I almost got teared up at times because I, I, I was just like, I am so happy that this is being translated well. There are moments where Paul is going through his trial and it's a very emotional moment and it's something that was very emotional to me when I first read it, even as a kid and I, I was just like, wow, I'm seeing this like really done right and really the only thing that I can compare it to as far as cinematic experiences is seeing Fellowship of the Rings sure. for the first time yeah. where you're just like, oh shit I I, somebody got has got it right <laughs> they studied it, they they have decided to double down on being faithful to the book while still telling a good story with good beats. And bringing their own soul to it, which is, yeah. like I said, which Villeneuve <laughs> decidedly, this is a Villeneuve film, no question about it. And I think all the performances are really good. 
Timothy Chalamet is an actor I find interesting. I'm not always crazy about him and stuff. I think sometimes he gets a little miscast because he's Timothy Chalamet and he's like the bright star he's shining a pretty, star. Pretty boy. I, I mean, that's one of the things that's going to be a selling point for this movie. I mean, the two biggest royalty of young Hollywood right now are yeah. Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya. So Zendaya, and they're, who they're is both in it. Mainly here in flashbacks up until the last like 20 minutes or so, but will be a major part of the next one. Hopefully, better done than Sean Young was in the Lynch version, where basically she's just a breed mare. <laughs> no, no, no. Her job is Paul. Yeah, exactly. That's oh. most of her lines. And then, over and, over and then switch to a scene of them fucking <laughs> briefly. Yeah, I a mean, it times. was it was it was eighty six. It was, it was, it was still bad. The, the visually resting part. It for how much like an oddly like intimate story it really is, and like this personal journey for Paul. Just that the grand scope that you feel. Like, it almost felt overwhelming at parts. Oh, just yeah. like how big and everything he was. pulled back. That's part of my thing with the first yeah. third half. He's only giving you the top layer or two of these characters and relationships, which that's one of the things I find lacking in it. The movie should be called Paul. It's pretty much him. It sounded yeah. like in your intro, you almost said he was the star. And I'm like, yeah, that's what he did. This movie is about oh, yeah. Paul. If you thought this was overwhelming... I think you can handle the book, but why <laughs> Jessica bore Lita a son and their relationship and his relationship with all those trainers? Because Paul's this amalgam of all that influence, which I think is a little undersold in this version of when he has the epiphany out in the desert. Well, a lot is given to his relationship with Duncan Idaho, the sword master of House Atreides, played here very charmingly and, you know, honestly, one of those, who else were you going to get by Jason Momoa? And he is probably given the most amount of just flat-out charisma guy you'd want to hang out with of anybody oh, in my the cast here. But then you've also got Josh Brolin, who's like more of a stern taskmaster, who, but no question loves Paul and Leto, played by Josh Brolin, which also is a, well, yeah, of course it's Josh Brolin. Yeah, it's your, it's your cool uncle who like will take you back behind the shed and get you stoned and then the guy who's like really mean to you all the time but then when you look back you're like oh man he taught me so much by being a complete we're gonna dick build this shed <laughs> together. I don't think you could find anyone better to fill Patrick Stewart's boots yeah I mean uh, James McAvoy would disagree but you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here he wants to play a young Jean-Luc Picard in a new movie just trying wow. to sell him on a young Picard series of films on his first ship and hey, he man, plays him uh, I'm like uh, how would you play John- him and Enough. Come on. At, at, at this point, is this your career now? You're just, just being playing? young Patrick Stewart? Hey, you're just, just let Star Trek fire shit at the wall and see what <laughs> see sticks. What and sticks, generally, yeah. it's fun. But we're talking about Dune. I just was in love with this. I did actually cry at points. At some points, because I do feel emotional relevance, which I've read this so many times, I'm so familiar with it, I didn't expect for it to hit me. And the fact that he's able to do it got me. But also at points, just because it's just like you said with Fellowship of the Ring, there's points where you're like, this is exactly how I saw this in my head. Yeah. It's fucking gorgeous. When you see it done right, it makes you revisit that first time that you read it on the page and you were like, oh my god. Or done better than you ever imagined. Yeah. Right. That's what I I felt with Fellowship, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought you could do it that good. I felt the same way with this. Like, I never thought you could make this good of a version of Dune. I mean, admittedly, first half of Dune, Mm -hmm. but still. Which brings me to, like, of course, talking about the Fremen, who are the nomadic tribes on the planet, which, outside of Zendaya, who's Chani, a young Fremen, Mm -hmm. who is clear will be Paul's love interest in the future. But uh, Javier Bardem, the guy's just literally made of liquid gravitas. It's like... Yeah. (laughs) And he plays Stilgar, kind of one of the leaders of the Fremen uh, tribe. uh, His introduction is a scene that's very prominent in the book and is very illustrative of what the values on the planet are and it's so well done 
done, and it is so great. Like, everybody in it is just, like, towing the line. It's so yeah. great. And the world building they do, even, like, with their beliefs and, like, and their culture. Sometimes it's, like, a play for laughs, particular scene when he is yeah, introduced. Yeah. But it also still makes sense with the world. Like, it's obvious that the filmmakers and everyone behind it just truly loved this story so much mm-hmm. and just dedicated everything to this. Yeah, everyone is clearly really happy to be there. I was happy to see, although admittedly somewhat briefly, uh, David Desmalchian, who is weirdly becoming one of the most popular character actors in the world right now. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's very talented. One of the psychic mentats, or not psychic, they're like human computers. They're, they're not psychic, and they don't really address this when I made my joke about the Butlerian Jihad. Yeah. There's no artificial intelligence allowed in the Imperium. They got rid of it a long time ago. And so to make up for the lieu of computers, they have these people called Mentats that can do these computations rapid fire in their head because of their training. Peter DeVries, is, he's the evil one. Yeah, and the good one is the always lovable Stephen McKinley Henderson. Yes, well, which oh, yeah. is the perfect is what led to all the houses the way they are, the Bene Gesserits, the Mentats, everything in current. And yeah, they don't get bogged down with that. But my criticism of it is they barely touch this stuff. I completely I don't understand know how, how they would do that because, yeah. like, for a general audience, I try to think of it for like even more objective than if I had ever even read the Wikipedia. <laughs> like, if I was watching this, like, and they went in that extreme detail, I'd be like, "Wait, what the?" You introduce Thufir's relationship to Paul, and that gets you more about the Mentats. Not that someone just says, "Oh, Mentats, human computers." Oh, they're psychic kind of guys that they just like do things real quick. Like, okay, got it, and like that. And they did it well enough that I was like, I, I totally understand. You want to know more about them Yeah, watching the movie because they're weird and kind of go like they think about some their eyes roll back in their head. For Which a is great. I thought that was like, a Ooh. nice trick because yeah. in the book, they just do things. Yeah, that's In up. Lynch's version, they kind of go in trances where they blank stare. But this, I love that version of kind of like on, off, got it. I want to edit it where it's a scene where Stephen McKinley Henderson like gives one of his big smiles that just makes you want to hug him. He turns towards the camera and he's got a roll of candy in his hand and it just freezes and says, the fresh maker. <laughs> Mentats. <laughs> My only real criticism, and literally, I can't think of anything else in this film that I disliked. And I didn't even think about this when I was watching it, but it was brought up to me by someone else. I was like, that's a valid point mm. that the overlying metaphor, which is supposed to be obvious, is talking about, like, you know, obviously Dune or the actual Bedouin, which as later books reveal, like, yes, they are from Earth. They are the Bedouin from Earth, really. But they didn't cast a single person of Arab origin in this. That, that's true. And it's yeah, like, that was know. a really weird choice to it's make. Real, but that being said, you know, there's a lot of color there, and yeah. you did not get that in the version with Sean Young. No, you certainly did not. Uh, no, they're just dirty. Lynch yeah. got that right. The <laughs> Fremen are just dirty all the time, but it's... it's you know, no, like no Arabs. Thing. Wait a minute. <laughs> I meant no, just sandy. They're sandy. Spice. They, they make many comms like they look like they're sparkly. Like yes, well, and, and, and they, you know they still have the, the, awesome the CGI, the CGI blue eyes. Yeah, they that they toned use. it down a little bit, which I thought was good. Because yeah. in Dunes, yeah. it's like. What are you in a they, rave? They, they like shouldn't glow over their well, eyes. They, yeah. It looks fine if they're standing still in Lynch's version. Right. But if they move, yeah, the blue isn't always right in their eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to go to final thoughts. Uh, Neil, why don't you get us started? Oh, you're gonna start at the low score, aren't you? Uh, oh, are okay. you the low score? I loved it as visually. I think I wanted more, especially with it being broken up. Like, we think it's going to be two pieces, but we don't think it's going to go three. And if you're going to go there, I think we could get some more out of that first third half of Paul's inner and next circle, which is Thufer and Gurney and Leto and Jessica's relationship, because this is what builds Paul to what he is. Mm -hmm. I really loved everything I saw on screen. It felt like it was just kind of skimming over. When they're on Kaladin before Dune, that flew. Like, wait, has it been 10 minutes? And it was obviously longer than that. 
They treated the material with respect and love. I just wish they had gone a layer down hmm. with some of this, because that's what makes Paul Paul. I mean, so I easily different. could have watched another hour of this. So oh, I was like, when I started yes. to realize it was wrapping up, I was like, no, no, no and more. And it could have been <laughs> subtle little quick scenes of dialogue and stuff like that. Like, And it kind of felt he may have purposely was dodging anything Lynch put in his version of, we're not going to say the same dialogue. We didn't get the tooth. Yeah. The tooth. Yeah. Oh, they already used that, not touching it. So for me, it was like, I think it could have got a little bit more on all these characters. And what makes your heroes better is villains. We barely get Harkonnens. Yeah. You talk about those performances and you Ugh. hear... Skarsgård spent seven hours in makeup. He's not even in this seven minutes. I think they do a really cool job with them uh, with some of the just neat moments they did visually with him or like very different with what Lynch did, which was like yes. hard to watch. You don't so see all of but, him at once. You're seeing but, over the but shoulder. But it's weird. Like or, Lynch really made a big deal out of his nephew, Glossu, which was played by Sting in that no, movie. No, Glossu, sorry, Glossu is sorry, it was, was played by the guy who played Bluto and Popeye. Right, right, you're, uh, right. you're thinking of Fade Ralph. Fade, Fade uh, Ralph. Sting. Uh, who we will meet. They're right. saving him. They're saving Alia, who is another main really character. The main secondary, yeah. like Conan, Dave Batista, and he's given barely anything to do. I liked Skarsgård in this, but they very obviously wanted to hew away from Kenneth McMillan's version of Baron Harkonnen, which is kind of a shame because it, it is such a good version. 100% less boils. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and he's still, you know, sickly and looks like a guy who has luxuriated. A bit too much in his life. He's very downplayed and almost song in a way. I liked that Kenneth McMillan, like, I don't want him to be like, you see a little bit of it when there's a capture scene, but I wanted a little bit more of him really, like, leaning into this is finally done. This thing that I've wanted to do my whole life, I have accomplished. The Baron and Stilgar <laughs> were just kind of there. I was going to say, meanwhile, back in Neil's final thoughts. <laughs> I Honestly, I think I would have flipped Jamis... And Stilgar's actors, because we get so little of Jamis, but he's got that intensity mm. I always visioned and we usually got out of Stilgar. I enjoyed and loved everything I got. I thought they could have gone a little bit deeper. I always say, try and judge a film by the film and not by the thing that it's yeah, adapted I'm from trying. as much as you can. But I know it's hard for but me, too. I got too. 30 years of it's this back It's hard for me, here. too, yeah. I'm going to give it 7 out of 10 thumpers. What? 7 out of 10? Get out of my house. My I'll house. take the first worm west. <laughs> right? I really did love... All of it. Watching the trailers for it, like, endlessly, is just, like, just a beautifully done trailer, just getting so excited for it, and like, grandioso epic coming. And it, yeah, it does not disappoint. Like, visually, directed, acting-wise, everyone is just, like, 100% fantastic in it. It's not a negative, it's more just like, yeah, this is dense. Basically, this is where all the shit that you like comes from. If you're, like, into sci-fi and big action movies and big epics, it's like, yeah, this is what fucking started it, basically. And yeah. I get that, and I, what I really love is, like, I get that was what it was trying to portray, and it did it so well. I gotta watch another three hours of this movie. Like, Easily. what, just do part two right like now, fuck it, let's rock like, and roll. Here's the whole season, like they do on Netflix, I just wouldn't have gotten up. I, I wouldn't have gotten I, up! You'd have been like, uh, hey, the stuff's gonna come in late, sorry, uh, I'm sick. It's it's so <laughs> engrossing, everyone is ex very charismatic and insanely watchable to, like, even like minor parts, like with uh, the Baron, which is like, my God, like I could watch just five hours of you just doing stuff. But like to your point, Chris, like there are moments, like small moments too, that were so menacing. And I don't think it spoils anything, but there's at one point where they're infiltrating a compound with all of his soldiers and he's going with them, but he's just floating over them. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is so unnerving. The way that he's like portrayed and that like how he's 
you know, come yeah, they to do you. that shot where one of the first times you see him, he's kind of sitting down and all gross and he floats kind of straight up, but he's wearing this long, long robe yes. and it makes you go, is that dude just insanely tall? <laughs> nope. He's, he's a worm. <laughs> he just doesn't walk. So I really absolutely love it. I cannot wait uh, for the second movie. I, I wish uh, it was like Halloween Kills where they shot the second one back to back with this, but they're like, oh, let's just, you know, hold on and just make sure this is okay. Like, of course, it's going to be fine. I think that the general audience is going to get it. All the context clues are easy to, to understand from a storytelling, from a general audience uh, point of view. I can't really think of anything wrong because with you guys, it's it's different with like you're seeing the things that, you know, from the story that's not there. Well, you shouldn't hedge your bets. What would you give it? I honestly would give it 10 out of nice. 10 poisonous teeth. <laughs> Bo? Right, that makes me so happy because the, this was really my only thing that I went out going trepidatious about was just like, are, 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 are non-fans dig this? Yeah, are we'll they, are like they, this? is anybody going to be like, but they didn't blow up the duster. Then again, I'm definitely with Neil. There's so much stuff that, that was in this, but... I feel kind of the same way that I felt about any of the theatrical releases of Lord of the Rings, which is like, I know there's a bunch of shit in here. And thankfully, by the time Two Towers came out, I was like, but maybe they'll put a director's cut uh, together and I'll get that. And And if I don't, that's fine. And to be fair, most of us fans were like... We didn't really need Tom Bombadil. Nobody needed Tom (laughs) Bombadil. So, you know, I was incredibly pleased to the point, like, I woke up the the other night going, like, God, man, that is just, I I keep going over in this my head because it's just so well done. You know, everything that you get, fuck all the stuff that you don't get, but everything that you get, if you were a huge fan of this franchise, you know, whatever way, I think you're going to absolutely love. Nueve was the guy for the job. At last, there's even like some carryover from Lynch's version. A lot of the stuff that I like, you can see little bits in the in the design that they're like, I kind of like this. We're going to keep it. I kind of like this. We're going to keep it. Yeah. Hans Zimmer even did a little musical sting, yeah. which was fucking awesome. I think it's great. I think it's great that they're respectful of that material as well as the book. I had a absolute blast as a fan seeing this. I think anyone who is a fan is going to adore it, except that everybody who is a big fan is going to be like, but God, I wish they had done this too. And I totally get it, but I think they're going to be pleased with everything that they do get, right? Has, has made me very happy in the, the fact that the people who are coming in just completely fresh are going to be just as happy with it. I give this nine and a half Quizots out of ten Hot Rocks. There's nothing I can even think of to say that we haven't already covered at this point. I'm sure we could probably do a three-hour podcast if we were like, we're all in, we're going character by character, but you know. There has to be a part two, though, right after <laughs> yeah, that, just to make sure. Exactly. If this gets enough downloads, we'll do this again. Yeah, right, we'll do the final <laughs> Welcome to my ten-part podcast. As, as early reviews have already shown, there were some critics who didn't dig this, and I looked, and almost all of them were like in their 20s. And I was like, maybe these type of films just aren't for you. It made me mad. Shots fired. Some of them that I read, I was like... Like, and a lot of these same guys would talk shit about his other films. And I'm like, oh, you don't like Villeneuve from the beginning. Wait, what? Yeah, you're, maybe criticism isn't your strong point. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, shots fired. I'll take it. That's fine. Because I think this is a goddamn masterpiece of science fiction filmmaking. I think people will still be wa- watching and talking about this film 50 years from now, if not longer. I can't imagine doing a better job with this material in a cinematic release mind you, than this is. I mean, maybe there'll be the point where effects are so easy to do and so convincingly real that they could do a 30-part television miniseries that got every single detail that Neil is missing. If anybody's interested, I've already written the screenplay. Just uh, I'm, uh, I'm, hit I'm me sure up. you have. Adored this. Laughed. I cried. Spent no bucks. 
but I would have, and I'm, I might. It's coming on HBO, but I kind of want to see it in IMAX again. It Same. Was, it was yeah. so beautiful I, I'm, in IMAX. I'm definitely thinking of trip to the real. The you know, Austin is Man, lucky enough to have a real, real IMAX, IMAX theater. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Are they playing it? I'm sure they are. They must, right? Yeah. It right. was shot for it. This yeah. isn't a post-IMAX. Oh, yeah. This uh, was, we did it in IMAX. So I'm going to give this a flat out, and I'm, God, I don't think I've given this rating. It's been a while. In a long time, but uh, it's straight up. Without any hesitation, 10 out of 10, and I had to, Chris Knives. <laughs> it was funny, right? You were lucky you weren't sitting right next to me in the theater, because every time they were like, Chris Knife, I was like, hey, hey, I would have elbowed you. The fuck is a Chris Knife <laughs> It's now? the worm tooth. The I blades. know what it is. I know. I, I, I made them. Oh, They're named after me. Bullshit, I, we, they you, are. We've already established how old I actually am. I, I'm 350 years old. Yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. Herbert That's and right. me, we were best buds. Lots of, <laughs> it was lots like a spice. little nod, like, hey, to my, my immortal buddy Chris, I named the knives after you because of your long, pointy teeth. You do have a Bene Gesserit's <laughs> hair. Hairdo. <laughs> Lynch's Lynch's version. I quit.